Hey everyone, welcome back to the King's Buffet Podcast. I am Manny. And I'm Lyo. And today we are joined by a special guest. Her name is Jane Boone. She is an author who has published a book called Edge Play. And it is not a how-to book. It is a fictional novel and it's pretty interesting. There's a kink overlay and the part that definitely caught my attention when I was introduced to Jane and her work is that it seems that she's done something right for our community, which has been neglected in some of the other kink expressions in Hollywood that we've discussed in other episodes. So uh, thank you for joining us, Jane, and let's dive right in. Thank you so much, Wyo and Manny. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. So before we talk about the book, we do like to talk a little bit about you, but we always keep our most intimate, personal, who we are details aside. But just a little bit about your background. How, like, where did this interest come from? So um, my background is actually in engineering. And um, I grew up in Canada, and I was a very serious student. I was on a trajectory to excel. And I went to um, a top-notch engineering school in Michigan. I got a fellowship to MIT. And I'm not saying I didn't date, but I was very focused. And when I finally finished my master's degree, it would have been the early 90s. And I was on America Online one day, um, you know, trying to get a handle on what this crazy thing called the internet was. And I discovered a room called Stocks and Bonds. And I had a feeling that it had nothing to do with securities. And I was right. It was uh, my first exposure to the scene. It was um, all these kinksters kind of uh, trying to connect with one another and using America Online to do it. And um, because I was in Boston at the time, that group included some of my neighbors. So it didn't take long for me to connect with the the real world scene versus the, the virtual one. And because I had been working so hard and had been so dedicated on my studies and getting, you know, a great job, I was fun deprived. And let me tell you, you find the scene, you can find a lot of fun if you're a cute and curious 20, 20 something, because like the doors to the kingdom open wide and I was ready. Oh yeah. And that's an experience that I've heard echoed by many people that I've met in the scene. I also experienced that. Like I knew I was kinky earlier on in my dating relationships. I had experiences with several, you know, dominant partners. But when I re-entered my dating life after my long-term relationship, that's when I found the community and felt like, oh my God, I found, I found my people. Right. So like, yeah, I totally yeah, get that. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I I was just a hungry woman looking for snacks. I mean, I was just ready to try just about anything. And, you know, I joke that I, I try just about everything and I liked most of it. I mean, let's face it, the stuff is intense. The stuff is wild. And, and if you've been, you know, worrying about problem sets for, for you know, a decade, um, it's it's a thrill to encounter people that just want to kind of 
fuck with your head and then mess with your body. I mean, it was awesome. So the part I was almost laughing out loud about is when you mentioned America Online. And this is where I sound like an old person with kids these days don't yeah. know how easy they have it. But but kingsters these days don't realize how easy they have it. Prior to America Online, there were very few resources out there and ability to 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 connect with people. Even the local bookstore didn't carry BDSM books. You had to Oh, you had to go to like the dirty places, you know, the the porno shops. Um, I mean, the the other resource online, you know, given how primitive the internet was, was the Usenet news groups, alt alt sex bondage, alt sex stories, things like that. But you know, it was it was not like it is now with Fet Life and facts and video. You know, right. photos even have evolved so much like I remember when collar space was the thing and like you couldn't even post a picture for without like approval it took weeks to get your picture online and (laughs) yeah it's it's really amazing just how I don't want to call it easy because it's it's hard to take the leap if you're nervous but how straightforward it is if you want to explore and and meet people with similar ideas I mean just the the barriers are, are, are so much lower. And, and I think it's one of the reasons we're, we're seeing so many people kind of exploring. It's, it's, it's so much more inviting and, and, and let's face it, this stuff is fun. And yeah, it's, it's great that, that it's, you know, losing some of that, that, you know, porno shop feel to it. Although I personally kind of like I like the idea that it's a little dirty and a little outlaw. I like feeling like a gangster because let's face it, I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm an engineer. I I I pass for normal pretty easily, but it was there, it was exciting having this outlaw energy in my life. There was a director who did very edgy pornography and websites. And, you know, compared to something you might see in a dungeon, it might not be edgy. But compared to mainstream pornography, it was as edgy as it gets in America. And I remember hearing in an interview, they were asking him about the fact that he did so much degradation, verbal and physical degradation to the the performers. And his answer to why he does that is he said, because there's no shame left in porn. He said the sexy thing about porn is it was shameful. Now these, now all these porn stars are celebrities. Right. And the shame has been taken away. He said that's a really good thing, most of it. But without some of that shame, it, it lost something for him. Yeah. I and mean, I think that's kind of, part of, there's something about part of the thrill is that it's transgressive. And, um, you know, and, as, as our, our cultural mores have shifted to be more expansive and more expanded, um, it, it's a little harder to, to find that, that frisson um, where you know you're doing something a little wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is so fun to play it with. It is. It is. Yeah, we, we play with that all the time. Oh, you guys yeah. are naughty. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about that on a recent episode mm-hmm. about that we 
have worked really hard to make, you know, make this whole thing not shameful. But at the same time, we're like, that—that that is what some, a lot of people's kinks are. Right. And the difference between where the vanilla world wants you to accept that there's, oh, there, that there's nothing wrong with you. You're okay the way you are. And we're exactly. like, no, you are really, really, you're fucked up. And it's okay. That, yeah. That's what's great Embrace about Embrace the fact that, yeah. it, that, it, that it's wrong. Of course it's wrong. <laughs> I just, like, if, like, I just saw that thing you did. There's no way that's not wrong, but that, that's what makes it hard. Well, I, I, you know, as a as sort of a nice Canadian girl, I've I got to admit it took me years to overcome my, my wariness of using, you know, outrageous language, you know, and that once I started writing smut, I mean, I, the words cock, cunt, whore, all that shit just rolls off the tongue. I mean, it's not as, it doesn't get stuck, but it's, it's interesting, even the power of language when we're, we're, you know, in intimate spaces um, and dealing with somebody who, who, who responds to it. I mean, these, these are powerful words. They're powerful concepts. And, mm-hmm. you know, they can make your hair stand up on end. And, and what's wrong with that? In a very good way. Oh, so now I have yeah. a question for you. I, wanna, I, I would love your opinion on this because this is a, a topic of debate related to the words we're, we're choosing. Mm-hmm. So it's not uncommon for someone to say, I'm really into being degraded, mm-hmm. right? Male or female, doesn't matter. Right. Into being degraded, I want to feel degradation. That's it, sexy to me, and I would like to be called whore and slut uh, and dirty and worthless because that really turns me on. Now the question is: Are they actually being degraded when when they want to be called these things, <laughs> or does the degradation only happen when the line has been crossed? To I didn't want to be called that. It doesn't feel good, but that's why it turns me on. I, you know, I. It's hard to, I wish we all had little windows into our brains so we could see what was going on. Um, my, you know, maybe because I'm an engineer, I'm a pragmatist. I'm like, whatever the fuck works. Um, and I sometimes think if we, we analyze it a little too hard, some of the magic leaves. And maybe it's degradation, maybe it isn't. But if calling calling your partner a fucking whore is the thing that that gets them to, to have an orgasm, do it. <laughs> nice. So you started off as an engineer, but you became, you did some journalistic work. Yeah. Yeah. That- I love, I've always enjoyed writing. I was on the student newspaper, even in college. And, um, and then a few years ago, uh, you know, after having this sort of upstanding, you know, pillar of society life, I was thinking back to my crazy 20s and all the the wacky things that happened to me. And when I was in my 20s and part of my my, sort of my pervy explorations, one of my friends was a dominatrix who was as much a sex educator as she was a sex worker. And she often needed an extra pair of hands or an extra pair of eyes, and I was only too willing to help. So I was often in in her dungeon. And to be honest, I had like a wicked crush on her because she, she lived this gangster existence, right? She was this outrageous over-the-top woman that I, I would love to have been. But I didn't know how to do that. And so the idea was what happens if somebody like me um, is sort of bounced into that world 
and has to sort of sink or swim. And that's the premise of the book. My um, protagonist is an investment banker during the financial crisis who notices that her boss has been doing some very odd things. She asks questions. She gets fired. And the only person who offers her a job is her best friend who reveals a secret. In the basement of her sexy little art gallery, she has this exquisite dungeon. And um, the gallerist has the opportunity to be away um, and get a very valuable painting, but it'll take a couple of months. And she doesn't want her clients to, to drift away. So would the banker consider taking over? And I mean, let's face it, that's that's my fantasy, right? That's the you know, that that's the engineer being plopped into this crazy world and seeing if she can make it work. And so it was a delicious opportunity to try and, um, you know, figure out who are the guys that would see this exquisite um, dominatrix? What would happen? Um, what's the worst thing that could happen to my, my, my substitute dominatrix? What's the best? And, um, and it was, it was, really fun to, to try my, my hand at fiction, but also to try and play with some of the tropes of, of BDSM, because let's face it, the dominatrix is a certain kind of character. Submissive men are typically portrayed as jokes. Um, what if they're heroes? What if these are the guys with integrity and bravery? And it's the Wall Street bankers who are the fucking criminals. And and so um, that was that was my my goal was to sort of mess with convention and and to explore some of the really amazing aspects of BDSM, which to me include things like establishing limits, learning how to negotiate. I mean, it's one of the things I think is the most powerful about kink is that. The more you do it, the more experience you have at saying no and and also saying yes, but you you get a very clear sense of what you like, what you don't like. And um, in the civilian world, that isn't necessarily part of the conversation. And Amy, my protagonist, my investment banker, is changed by her time in the dungeon in a way that's very profound and for the better. She learns her limits better. She learns she'd been exploited by her boss. She learns how to read people and also how to exercise her personal power. And she gets back at him. Right. And so that's where I definitely found the connection on what seems to be missing from stuff like 50 shades oh. there's very little um emphasis on the negotiation part and that's where we have in the course of producing our episodes found that people need the most guidance right is learning how to talk through you know even the relationship well, part of it we've ended up coaching relationships far more than about how to have great sex and you know well that's fine that's fine by us but it was unexpected well and let's face it 50 shades is about an innocent woman who is basically swept off her feet by a billionaire but you know he's kind of a stalker and he's taking advantage of both her naivete and her unfamiliarity with the pervy stuff and he holds all the cards 
And yeah, what I thought was fun about Edge Play, my novel, is the billionaire is a submissive. He's the guy who's on his knees. And my my dominatrix, my my Anastasia, if you will, is sexually savvy. She's in her 30s. And she she can go toe-to-toe with a billionaire in a way that no 21-year-old fresh out of college could. Right. And that's actually more accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's not a cliche the, that that submissive in the dungeon is the CEO. Yeah. That's that. iPod lawyer. That's truth. Yeah. That's well, I mean, tough. it takes guts to say, you know, what, what I like is a certain kind of energy and a certain kind of representation of the female. And by the way, this involves me groveling. I mean, if you're a guy, you have to be pretty self-possessed to, to, to come up with that. And, um, you know, hats off to these dudes for figuring it out because it goes against gender scripts. It goes against so much that um, defines how men are supposed to behave in the world. Yeah. And that's another thing that is so empowering about kink is that you can be whatever, whoever, express yourself however you want. And in the community, it's accepted. Well, you know, and, and, it's- and if one day you decide, you know, I, I'm not feeling like a dominatrix. I think I want to I be like a little child. There's, there's a space for that, too. I mean, it's not like you have to conform to, to a very specific bucket of expectations. I mean, there's a lot of room to play. You also get the ability to flip to switch, which is you can take on this role for as long as you want and then step out. Right. Of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's without having to reinvent yourself and give up what you've already established. And, and that's kind of beautiful because it seems like in the world, you in the outside world, you have to do that. I, I'm sensing the voice of experience. Is this something that you've <laughs> been playing with, kind of mixing things up? not in our relationship, but in my former long-term relationship, I, I've always been a submissive, but in effort to try and get some form of kink in my life and it was not happening in that relationship, I ended up expressing those things and, and topping and, and trying to dominate. And it just, it never worked for me, but I know I can do those things. I just now know where my boundaries are and that I can do it in short bursts and I can do things under the guidance of Manny. And that those things are really, really fun. For oh, me. wonderful. And, and I've done the opposite as well of taking on a, not so much a submissive role, but just being willing to do things that aren't necessarily my thing, just because kink I'm not into was still better than vanilla. Right. Well, and, and really, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of, you know, this is the engineering me. How do I know I don't like it unless I try it? You know, I, I want to experience most things. I mean, there's some things that are hard limits I, or, and some things I will never do again. But, um, you know, it's, it's fun to explore. And let's face it, you know, BDSM offers so many avenues for exploration. I mean, it's, you know, kind of hard to decide what you want to do next if you're, you know, if your mind is open. Right. And that is how our podcast was named because it is a buffet. It's a never ending limitless supply of things and fun to do. (laughs) Um, But there's also a mindset that you have to approach it with uh, in order for that to be healthy. Like a buffet, you can go in and you can gorge yourself and just 
get all frenzied over trying to do everything all at once, immediately having all of these experiences, but there is no scarcity here. You can come back tomorrow and try one thing and decide that's not for you and never have to do it again, but you might find something that you really enjoy and want to have that every time you come back to the buffet. And the key is the scarcity because mm-hmm. that is the, the fear of the scare of something being scarce is what drives so much of the unhealthy behavior, mm-hmm. possessiveness, control, unhealthy level, unhealthy power exchange, unhealthy power exchange yeah. because of there's a scarcity, mm-hmm. but at a buffet, there is no scarcity. When the chickpeas run out, they'll, I like your metaphor. I think it's very apt. Yeah, we were surprised actually that uh, kinkbuffet.com was available because uh, Wyo coined it, but it doesn't seem that obscure that that was like nobody had used it before. Nobody had used that. We just got super lucky and And, they had let the domain name go or something. No, but we Googled it and, and and nobody was using the term kink buffet and it just seemed so obvious that that would be a thing that it in a community of millions, someone would have come up with, but apparently, <laughs> apparently there's still new ideas out there. I know. And how wonderful. And there are kinks to be found. I mean, just think there's like some new weird fetish just waiting to be uncovered by the world. You Maybe you'll find it. You'll be explorers and you'll uncover this new thing. Actually, we have been trying to coin a term for something that we do Oh, that is a little bit outside the box you tell. Not outside the box happy to share yeah we did an episode about yeah. our version of role play which is uh we call it psychosexual larping so <laughs> we will um reference the episode and then tell you more about that after we we don't want to take up too much of your time exploring that but, but the, yeah the basic idea yeah. is that when you think role play you think doctor nurse and you think latex outfits or Something like that. And, but there's just different levels to this, to the psychology. There's layers. I should say not levels. There's layers to the psychology that can be used that are really heavy. And we certainly didn't invent what we do. Mm-hmm. There's, but it, the term we've never, I mean, on Fat Life, you get a choice of three to 400 kinks to say if you're interested in them or if they're a hard limit. And nothing like what we do is on there. Like so it's just role playing is on there, but nothing like. Like what the we actual, like we, uh, like you were talking about people that want to fuck with your head and play with your body. Like that's the intention, very much with the psychosexual LARPing thing. And it, it's again not original idea, but there was no word we found oh, for it. So that's it. Sounds like a blast. I was um, teaching a, a class in smut um, to use uh, writing smut as a way of teeing up erotic role play. Because, you know, if you can kind of negotiate the boundaries beforehand, you know, in via text or email, you can kind of set the stage for something really fun. And, um, you know, I was going through the the, the traditional, uh, you know, teacher, student, boss, employee, that stuff. And I, I threw it out to class. What should we do? You know, what's what's a fun role play? And somebody said, um, alien human. I'm like, oh, I like this class. I mean, it's just it's. The range of roles and the nature of the encounter is so rich and weird. Um, I think you guys are on to something. Yeah. Well, it's it's limitless fun, too, with that. Like, that's one of the things that we've used to um, 
stave our appetites maybe a little bit during the quarantines um, because we can be whoever we want to be. So we can be somebody new. We can be a former partner. Oh, uh, a actual partner. You know, like there's just there's all kinds. And, and then you add, out. but you add the fucked up stuff to it. Right. Like doctor and nurses, it's a, we call it, so one of the terms we came up with, we call it cosmopolitan kink. The, you know, <laughs> like, you know, tickler with a feather or try a blindfold or uh, how about whipped cream? Like, you know, it's kind it, of the nine ways to spice up your sex life. You know, and, and, they, the and they, they'll use the word kinky in the, <laughs> right. on the cover, you know, but it's, you know, like what if there was, you know, what if the doctor caught the nurse stealing Oxycontin and she has a family and her husband's going to leave her. So now he's using this as extortion mm-hmm. to get what he wants out of her. But there's other nurses in the office that are also being extorted in different ways. And the whole fear of being told and losing your marriage over this, I get like there's, you start piling on these layers of like, right. it's not all fun. You're raising the stakes, but, but yeah, like ra- the stakes are pretty interesting. Oh, and yeah, and there's layers. There's layers. <laughs> That would sound delicious. But yeah, like if it brings a lump to your throat and you like having the lump there, go for it. Right. Exactly. Well, and the emotional response doesn't always have to be on the surface enjoyable. Well, and part, part of the journey can be cathartic and the opposite. Well, I also mm-hmm. think that um, what the case with these scenes, if you will, is that there, there are three components through time you know there's the anticipation the pre where you kind of set things up or you anticipate or you imagine what might happen i mean anything is possible anything can take place then there's the moment you know of contact where the two people three people ten people whatever are alone in a room you know fucking with each other and then there's the aftermath and the aftermath is the longest period because you could be thinking about moments for years and, and maybe it's, it's that, that memory um, of just, you know, when the, the fictional doctor says, I'm going to tell your husband, you're, you're, you're stealing Oxy and, and what it does to your fantasies in the future that is, is so powerful. Um, But you're, you're, you're creating a rich bed of memories, you guys. I think you're, it's going to be something to play with for, for a long time in your heads. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the negotiations that take place in your book. Yes. Is that, like, is that portrayed in a, like, formal Hollywood no, sense? No, no. So, um she gets basically parachuted into this practice. Her friend trains her and then hands her over the files. So she knows exactly what these guys like. The, the idea of negotiation is more just um, a, a vibe she gets from her, her, her experienced friend who says, you know, you're allowed to say no. Even, even dominance have, limits and you can figure out where yours are and um i know i'm handing you these files i know i'm i'm suggesting these clients to you but 
you don't have to do anything you don't want to. But it would sure would be nice if you saw these guys because I don't want them to like go to, you know, McDungeons in my absence. You know, I, I'd love them to to come back, but you're allowed to, you know, figure out what you like. And I think that was the the missing sauce in my protagonist's life. She she had been working so hard and so focused on achievement that she hadn't really thought about what her morals, what her standards, what her her limits were. And um, she that was one of the the pieces of training she mentioned. So about this McDungeon, do they have Happy Meals? <laughs> Um, well, maybe if that's a euphemism. <laughs> oh, that is great. I Make really love that word. Yeah. That's, Make that's dungeon. Awesome. Make dungeon. I know. So if we ever open a chain of dungeons, they have to be called Make Dungeon. I really love especially now that everything's so online, like virtual classes and everything, like well let's face it my ladies are snobs you know like they're they they think of themselves as as above a mcdungeon (laughs) right right Right. that's awesome um so that's based on your experience with helping your friend but you also did that on tv right yes that's right um i portrayed a dominatrix on the tv show gotham (laughs) and it was really amazing because i was up for the part against uh, three other women and I was in my late forties when I was um, up for this and I, I get to the, the, the casting and we're all, you know, you sort of have to look like you can do the work. So I, you know, I still have some things in the closet that I can, I can fit into and wear. And so I, I charted myself up a little bit and, and there were these two young women in their twenties that were all tits and hair and wearing tight little PVC dresses. And I'm like looking at them thinking, okay, I know who's getting the part, right? Because it's Hollywood. Right. And, um, and then there was a very stunning woman in a, a leather corset in her thirties who, who was wearing thigh high boots. And I was like, well, you know, if it's not them, it's her, I guess. And, we had a meeting with the director, which is unusual because it was ostensibly just to be um, a background performer. But the director wanted input on what the scene should look like. And they had specifically said, we want real dominatrixes. I'm like, well, I'm as real as can be. I can do this work. So um, I had lots of ideas. I'm like, well, if the guys can be wearing a white t-shirt, how about some really artful Japanese-style rope brondage across his torso, but like make the rope black, I can help you there. Um, How about uh, metal, because it'll shine. And nobody else really had anything to say. And uh, as we're walking back to the the holding area to change into our street clothes, I'm I'm still convinced it's going to be one of the 20-year-olds, but... um, the production assistant came in and and said, "Jane, come to co- come to the wardrobe, which is to to get a costume." And I was I was sort of my jaw like basically had to be lifted up off the floor. So I'm like, "Oh my god, they picked me!" So it was a great day. Um, I got to throw around Judge Turnbull for hours, teetering around in five inch heels, wearing a corset and a girdle, and I had the best time. And I got a line. So 
it's how I got my SAG card. Um, it's it's an accomplishment as an actor to 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 become a member of the guild. And if you get a line on a on a show, that's that's a that's a fast track to to guild membership. And I did it. <laughs> and and they have to pay you scale. Yeah, I got paid. I got paid well. I I still get residuals. The last check I think was for four dollars, and. <laughs> Um, and then I have bragging rights, which let me tell you, I exercise because like how often does a, a woman in her late forties get to, get to be a sex symbol, but I did. Right. That's amazing. Well, and, and that's one of the things I think has also been lacking from stuff like some of the mo more recent Netflix releases, like the, you actually had some experiences to draw from, like this isn't just kink for fat. No, I, I mean, now I love getting dressed up. I mean, I, I, a lot, lot of that stuff is in my past or in my head, but the opportunity to, to kind of revisit my, my crazy 20s and, and put on the leather is, is something I savor because it's, um, it's, it's a blast. And um, I will say this. So I, I worked as an extra on the show Billions, um, when they did the BDSM scene in the first season, I mean, they, they, uh, they transformed, I think it was a strip club into a, a pretty nice looking dungeon, but they had a, a coordinator on site who was an expert in kink, um, uh, Olivia Troy. And she, she's the one basically who transformed the show bonding into something very silly in the first season to something a little smarter in the second and yeah. um, there are some shows that are doing it right, or at least trying to. I mean, it's hard to give a nuanced portrayal of something so kooky, right? Um, um, there, there, there are a couple of shows that are that are making an effort, and um, I, I admire what they're doing in Billions. And I think the second season of Bonding is is so much better than the first. If you happen to check it out. Yeah, I'm hearing much better reviews from people in the community than what came out after the first release. Yeah, they 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 treat the the professional dominatrixes as as craftswomen, um, and and the clients as as gentlemen who are sort of interesting and intriguing rather than jokes. And I think that's a really nice change. Well, just the, the normalization of of that. Like, I, I we were just talking about this literally this morning, how it would be so great to see a TV shows. I mean, it's not TV anymore. Netflix, yeah. whatever shows. Yeah. Where, like, where, like, polyamory or ethical non-monogamy is part of the relationship without a single episode being done about that. It's just, in this relationship, they have other partners, but it's still about their their life, you know, I, I think you know, some of that is generational too. I mean, the people making the decisions are, you know, more likely to be, you know, 45 plus. I think the, the kind of the more open um, approach to sexuality that we see with the millennials and it just, they just haven't achieved a position where they're, they're able to green light a show, but it's imminent, I think. Yeah, but your work is definitely making strides that that is 
in the future. I think so. Much. I think so. And, and yeah. let's face it, the stories are rich. Um, I mean, I, I think just about any script would be improved by the pre presence of, of like a kinkster of some sort or a dominatrix. <laughs> mm -hmm. Everything's better with rope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think it's great. Again, and normalization doesn't mean taking away the fun shame. It just means taking away the bad shame. Well, and just understanding yeah. the mechanics a little better and realizing it isn't just people craving abuse. I mean, in a bad way. Uh, I mean, the, the the myths about pervs, if you will, that it's all about I don't know overcoming trauma or all this stuff. Maybe it's just fun and you like it and it, it can be profound, but it can be as trivial as any other passion. It doesn't have to be representative of something deep, dark, and scary. Absolutely. That's one of the things that we both have talked about pretty openly as far as like why, why we joined the community. What about these things turn us on? Because that's definitely something we talk about and explore throughout the podcast. Like we don't have trauma you know neither one of us was abused as a child yeah. you know like we're just normal people we're just we've both been told that we must have somewhere there must be right. something there must be something there yeah. and i'm like no mm -hmm. there kind of wasn't you know yeah. and and i i think let's face it these themes have been present for a long time we're not doing anything very original i mean maybe the tools and the toys are original or the that sort of having the luxury to 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 delve into it, but you know the idea of of worshiping, of of commanding, um, and sexualizing that it's it's old, and um, you know we're just refining these old impulses in a way that is 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 exciting for the moment. Exactly. Yeah, sounds good. Well, and what's good in the moment for you next? Like your book is doing really well on Amazon. Is there, there's some another episode coming out on that? Or? So, um, so yeah, the book is is doing really well on Amazon. I'm I'm up to ninety reviews, which is pretty amazing for a debut author, and they're overwhelmingly positive. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. And I'm starting to sketch out a, a complimentary novel because it's not exactly a sequel. It takes place at the same time. So, um. That's that's exciting, and then I'm I'm hoping that there'll be some more good news to announce soon. But I'm I've been just really delighted by the reception the book has received by by people who understand the topic, um, and the people that I've been most excited have been the professional dominatrixes, and they have embraced the novel because they are portrayed as women of substance doing tricky complicated work but in a way that's you know stylish and exciting and um that that's been the most gratifying to, to have the the feedback from the ladies i love it there's, there's been so much work and progress in the last year of legitimizing you know sex work as work so yeah. i really i'm doing it well yeah and i and look it's portrayed sometimes as work. I mean, she does a lot of cleaning. I mean, she's, you know, oh God, I got to get up and clean. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you don't want to have like a novel built about, you know, you know, 
what what you do to leather, how to treat it. But um, I thought it was important to portray that that it's intentional and effortful and, and at times very unglamorous. See, I don't want to contradict you, but there's there has been a quite successful book with 800 pages about turning whale blubber into oil. <laughs> So, you know, I, I think 50 pages about how to treat leather after a that's, that's not unreasonable. Okay, I'll yeah. keep or that in mind. Thank you so much, Manny. Uh, maybe maybe book two will have, have more more about, you know, how to how to oil leather. Yeah, well, and let's be honest, that, that book only started making money 150 years after it was written, so that doesn't really help you out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really well, not interested in my heirs making money. I want to make money. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Awesome. Let's go circle back and tell people how to find you. So the easiest way to find me is on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Jane E. Boone, all one word. And Boone is spelled B-O-O-N. And uh, I have a website, janeboon.com, but go to Amazon or one of the indie websites and order my book. It's called Edge Play. Just know that every time I get a five-star review, I basically have an orgasm. <laughs> and that is worth the price of admission. That is. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us yeah, today, thank Jane. You. We really enjoyed the it conversation. Was Awesome. Thank you so much, Manny and Wyatt. It was a pleasure to speak with you both. We'd love to um, back on when you uh, release the second book. Perfect. It would be my pleasure. And good luck on your travels. Yep. Thank you so much. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. And we are back in the saddle again, metaphorically, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and uh, uh, episodes are coming out as we speak. Looking forward to... Uh, talking to you guys please send us questions emails comments communicate with us engage with us that's what we want Thanks. like share subscribe and comment thank of you of course thanks guys bye bye